God does make the abundant life possible for us. How do we take advantage of it? How are we going wrong? And how do we get it right? That's what the sermon's about. Um, I really hope that this is not a discouragement from you, but an encouragement. Um, Our dear sister Marion went home to be with the Lord last night. She's getting the end of the game right now. It is so amazing you can't even imagine it. But she left a big hole. We love her. And she left a big hole in her family, and I'm sure this is a very difficult time for them. This is a shoot because they're here and she's not. And then Diane and uh, Bob are on the way down to see their son, Tony, who they thought maybe it was a heart attack, maybe it was a stroke. They don't know what it was, but he had. He was unconscious and had a temperature of 104. And they, I don't know that they know anymore yet, but they're on their way down in the worst of weather. And it came out of nowhere. Jennifer Markin, who was dealing with cancer, um, thyroid cancer, had her thyroid removed. They thought they'd gotten it all. Now it showed up in her lymph nodes. We have other people here dealing with some really serious things. Our, our beautiful sister Nadine had a tough week this week going through in this battle of this cancer. Dave battling cancer. There's a number of you that are going through, and you you got to think, man, piling on, God, is, is how do we deal with these things, these, these things that are so hard in our lives that come and go, and, and it seems like they're never-ending, and I just am starting to go up. So, I share a couple other things with you. Good things. Um, I was reading in the uh, neighborhood um, blog or what, whatever it is about people in Machias area talking about different things. And, and a guy, 60 said, I'm 65 years old. I just needed to post this. Um, I, 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 I'm not ambulatory anymore. It's hard for me to get around. Uh, I had a lot of moss on my roof and my gutters were plugged up. And a young man had come by who was trying to, I think, start a business. And he saw it and he came and knocked on my door and said, hey, could I um, uh, remove the moss off of your roof and, and, and clean out your gutters for you? Uh, and that's his business. He was going to do it for, you know, I mean, he needed to be paid. And so the guy um, said, uh, I don't have the money. I can't pay him. And so he said, the man is saying, well, you, that the guy, the young kid, clearly could see the dejection on his face that he couldn't afford it. And so the young man cleaned his gutters, got all the moss off his roof, and completely cleaned out his garage for free. That's a good thing. That sounds like one of you guys would do. You know, there's good out there all the time. Last night, uh, last night, um, I was take, putting my grandson to bed, and he said, Grandpa, or he says, Papa, Papa, will you come lay down with me? And I didn't really want to. I was tired. I want to go to bed. But, um, but I did. And so we, we laid down together in his little half bed. Things only about, you know. And, <laughs> So I'm kind of like this. He said, Papa, lay your head down right here. And I did. And says, then he turns towards me and he says, Papa, I love you. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and he's patting me. 
See, there's good in life. There's good in life that, that brings us up the ladder, and then there's the shoots, and they're always there. How do we function in trying to deal with these things from a biblical standpoint that gives us the correct perspective to deal with the good and the bad? Because sometimes, sometimes when we get the good, we think, well, God must love me better. Look how good I am, and I've got this life thing really handled. I am good at this. Is that the right biblical perspective? No, no. And then the other side, you know, you go down, it's like, there's just too many shoots in this game, God. And I keep running onto those spaces, and every time it looks like I'm trying to make a little bit of progress, it's back down again. And I am angry, and I am bitter, and I am throwing things. Is that the biblical perspective? No, it isn't. Okay, so how do we find ourselves to look at life in the correct way so that it doesn't depend on circumstances for us to have an abundant life of joy and peace and satisfaction? We have to think about it the right way. We have to find the truth of God and then live the truth of God by looking at our life the way God would have us look at it. That's what this series is all about. So I'm going to give you a comparison, some comparisons. I did this a little bit different in some of the past ones where I would just give you all with the world, all of the Christians. We're going to do them one at a time. Okay. Not everybody, and in fact, some of us. Okay, well, so I'm going, to, I'm, going to be saying, I'm going to be saying the world versus the Bible, which would mean us. You know, we're going we're gonna to assume that we're following the biblical worldview on our circumstances. So we're going to be saying, okay, this, but, but here's, what, here's the reality of it is, I'm, I'm going to be describing the world's view, and you're going to say, <clears throat> or maybe you're not, but you should. Sometimes that's where I'm at. Sometimes that's where I'm at. Sometimes I'm right along with the rest of the world as far as, I understand intellectually, God, that these things you're telling me are true, but, but mainly when it happens, I feel like this. And it's true. Okay. But, but, but I'm trying to give you God's perspective on it. Okay, so here we go. Man, this world, number one, man is in control as much as he can be, but life is mostly just random. There's no real purpose no one that's actually moving it in a particular direction, and life is full of pain and sorrow and frustration and anger, so just deal with it. And there's some good things, but the bad things are coming. Okay. That's basically the view. God is not in control. No one is really in control. I have to kind of work this out on my own because it's all left to us to deal with, and bad stuff is going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. But the Bible says something else. The Bible says God's in control, total control. God allows certain things to happen, good and bad. God causes certain things to happen, good and bad. But it's all part of his plan. And you have a God who loves you, and you will not go through it on your own. At least you don't need to. Okay, so let's look at this. Say, so we have this. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose. Now get this here. The purpose of him who works something. No, all things. 
all things according to the counsel of his own will. God didn't just make the earth, put people on it, and walk away. He's involved in every aspect of your existence. We have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to God's purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, and guess what? God has a plan for man, for this universe, for you individually. Every single one of you. God has a plan. Now, does that mean I, God, send me the plan so I can stay on board with it? God, no, you're not going to do that. But he has a plan. He sees everything that's going on in your life. He saw it before you were created. It's all working together in his great plan. And you think, well, yeah, but you gave me the ability to make decisions true. You are not in control of your life. God is. Thankfully, it's a God who's there, who loves you, and who can do whatever he wants. That's a great combination. He's always there. He loves you enough to die for you. And he's in total control of everything. Isaiah 14.24, The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. The world is saying, life is random. You're on your own. You better protect yourself. You better come up with some plans. You better find some security. You better to do all the things that man wants to have happen. And God's saying, don't worry about it. I'm in control. I am here. I'm working this for your good. Okay, second one. World says this, this life is all there is. The commercial, right? What's the commercial? So grab for all the gusto. Beer commercial. It was a great beer commercial. Yeah. So that we can justify going out and, and indulging ourselves. Because right. this is all there is, folks. So you better be going for it now. Because there's nothing else after this except dirt. And so since that is the, the reality of our situation, then, then here's the thing. You better be out there grabbing for all you can get now because you're only going around once, and you better make it count. Does that, does that leave a lot of room for worrying about other people? Heck no. Let them worry about them. If this is all there is, I'm worried about me. What does the Bible say? This is not all there is. Our real hope is in the next life. Our real hope is to get to the end of the shoots and ladders game and God takes us up into the winning chamber where we can celebrate without sin and brokenness. It's not the only thing. We still have to live here. But that is something that God has said, man, if you don't have that hope, if you don't understand that there's something after this, this life is hard and it's going to be very difficult for you to get through it. You need to keep your eyes on the prize. So we do not lose heart, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Though our outer self is wasting away, boy, isn't that true. Our inner self, there's two of you. One I can see. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. 
The other one I don't see, but God does, and you know that there, your inner self is something that where your soul, the eternal part of you, and God is in there, and He's working on it, and you're being renewed day by day. That's, that's the Holy Spirit working inside you to transform you from this broken individual that you were to the image of Christ Himself. So even though my body, I mean, when I became a Christian, my body continued to age and break down. But inside, I'm flourishing because of God's power. Not because of me, because of God's power in me. I am flourishing on the inside, or should be, for this light momentary affliction called life in this phase of our existence, is preparing us. So this life, God has determined to prepare us for the next one. He has started the reclamation project in us after we're saved, and He is preparing us for this great party we're all going to have up in heaven. And the glory of that is beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So the real things you can't see. I can't see the real you. I see the, I see the little house you're living in right now, but I don't see the real you. I don't see the things that are the most important things. Isn't that kind of funny about life? I mean, we want to be able to see, hold, touch, prove, test. And God says, guess what? You're going to have to trust me on these things because you can't see them. It doesn't mean make them any less real. I need the hope that the God's word gives me. I can't see it necessarily. I can't see heaven. I know it's there. I know he's preparing a place for me, for me specifically. He said, in my house is many rooms. I'm preparing one just for you, Tim Henley. I can't see it yet, but I know it's there. And sometimes i got to think about that. Correct vision depends on correct expectations. We cannot live in the moment. The moment now is painful most of the time, at least a lot of the time. We have to have the ability to see the things that are unseeable. We have to do it in here in the heart and the vision that God gives us through the truth of his word. When life is too hard, you need to look at the truth of God's word to find the hope you need to get through this time. Look into the thing. God says, I've opened the door. Now, I've opened it. You can peer in, but you can't peer in with these eyes. You have to peer in through the, 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 the open door of my word that gives you the hope you need to get through the tough times in this life. And you need to be looking at those things because otherwise you're throwing the game most of the time. Number three, the world and sometimes us says, avoid the bad, avoid all the bad, maximize the good. Bad things can teach us a few things now and then if it's things that we can't control. I mean, like if something bad happens to you and I see it, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm not, not going to do what you do. We can, or we can make some mistakes, and so bad stuff happens, and we say, well, I won't do that again. So bad things might have a little bit of value, but most of the time it's just, no, bad, get out of here. Avoid it, create a wall around yourself. Don't make yourself too vulnerable. Certainly, don't spend a lot of time not focused on yourself because then you're going to be open to the bad. 
Murphy's Law is alive and well. He's your worst enemy, and you need to protect yourself. Is that what the Bible says? I don't say that at all. God can give us bad things with a good purpose if we cooperate. We are being transformed and matured, sometimes disciplined, but always it's for our ultimate good. Can I look at my circumstances that way? Can I look at the bad and say, do I have to just protect myself all the time from the bad? That's the main thing. No bad. Maximize the good. Now, number one, stuff's going to happen. You can't control, so good luck with that. But God says, don't worry about the bad. I got the bad because I got your back. And I'm going to use the bad to increase your superpower. Most of these you guys have heard before, if not all of them. So are we promised that there will be the bad? Yes, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. That's the goal, right? Peace and joy, satisfaction, all that. Okay, so so that I've said these things which he said previously. In this world you will have trouble, tribulation. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. Okay, promising you <clears throat> the shoots are there. You're going to step into or slide down them on a regular basis. That's what happens when you live in a broken world. That's what happens when you're broken. Now, yes, they can be painful. Yes, they can be frustrating. Yes, they can make you angry. Yes, they can make you depressed. But here's the deal. I need you to focus on these things when you're having the bad. For we know that for those who love God, all things are working together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is a promise from God that he is going to take the bad and work it together for your good in the transformation of you from your brokenness to the image of his son. Now, see, here's the thing. We, do we understand what that means? What he's saying is, I designed you a certain way. You broke it, and now you're having a very difficult, if not an impossible time, trying to get the things that I had designed you to have that I would provide. I've mentioned them before. Meaning and purpose, an identity that works, a sense of who I am and what I'm worth. Love and acceptance, satisfaction, hope and security. All of those things I designed to, for you to get from me only, now you're broken. There's a transition point that in the next life I'm going to take care of all that. You'll get it perfectly from me. But for right now, in order for you to find the things in this life that you need, I need to transform you from the brokenness to the image of my son, then I will start pouring all those things into you and you'll get them. That's God's job, he said. And, and so is there going to be some pain involved in the transformation process? And in fact, is that the most effective method, you hard-headed, stubborn people? Yes. Okay pushing you along the road here, pushing you along. Stay with me. Therefore, 
Therefore, I can count it all joy when I have trials of various kinds. And here's why. Because you know that when I'm testing your faith, I am producing steadfastness in you. And that steadfastness will have an effect on you so that I can eventually, you will be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. I have to focus on verse 4. At the end of verse 4, to find joy at the beginning of the process. There's a purpose for the bad. When there seems to be no purpose and it's just random, that can be very frustrating. It can cause a lot of despair and anger and disappointment and discouragement. Except I don't have to think like that. I can say, God, I don't understand why this trial is happening. I don't understand why it's so painful. I don't understand why some people get cancer and die. But I know this, that I can, you're working all things together for my good and that you can transform me in this trial. Therefore, I can be joyful about it. Only if you think like that. Only if you think like that. You've got to choose. God has made this. God is, God is not, he's not dangling this out there to make you feel bad. He's not saying, oh, you guys can never actually do this, but I'm going to say you can have joy. No. He means it. He means every word of it. And, and, and life can be hard, folks. Look around. God says, no. I've made joy available to you if you see the circumstances of your life the correct way. Number one, you're a winner already. In the end, it's all going to be fixed. It's unbelievably good. Right now, it's hard. Think about those things and understand there's a purpose. I'm in control. I didn't allow this to just happen. It didn't get away from me. I'm there. I'm there with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm walking through it with you. Number four, happiness, peace, and joy, fulfillment and satisfaction are completely based and determined by my circumstances. That's what the world says. I can be happy when things are good. I don't do very well when things are bad, especially when it seems like it's random and no one's in control. And so pretty much, I'm going to look at my life and how I am dealing with it and feel about it is going to be determined by the circumstances that are going on. Let me tell you something that is not a safe place because I can guarantee you, you're going to have shoots more than ladders. I don't know how the world does it. Now, the, the, one of the other things that seems to be like, well, maybe I'll talk about that in a second. What happens when things go really good? And you get everything you want, and you're rich, and you're famous, and everybody wants you, and you have 13 million followers on Instagram. And I still don't have a purpose and a meaning, and I still don't have an identity that works, and I still can't find satisfaction, and I can't find love and acceptance. And all the things that were supposed to give me that have failed me. And even at the height of all the good, I crash. 
how does the world do it? I don't know. I've never faced anything in my life as in, as from, from a young child without God. I don't know. I don't know how that. I don't know how you do it. I, there, there's, I guess there's ways of, of, of putting off the bad or, 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 or deluding yourself into thinking I can make this whole thing work out on my own if I just work hard enough and put enough of a hedge of security around myself. I don't know. You see, this, you see it out there, though. You see people trying to navigate the downsides of life without God and propping themselves up with, if I could just get this, I'll feel better. If I could just change this, I, I can, it'll feel better. And it doesn't. But here's what the Bible says. Our peace and our joy and our fulfillment and our satisfaction are not based on our circumstances, but they are based on living in the true reality of our situation. The Holy Spirit leads us there. Will you follow? Not only that, in Romans 5, 3 through 5, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So God is saying, look, because I've poured into your heart the Holy Spirit, you can rejoice in the sufferings knowing that it's producing something in you that's making you more like me, which is going to open up all these other things in your life for you. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. See, see there, we, I, I know you, you've heard the thing, you know, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. That's not in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> okay. Now, could we be so theologically based that we miss out on the people around us? Sure. But God's, God's telling us, keep your minds where they need to be. Keep your minds on the prize. Keep your mind on the things that are unseen and above and in your future, if you're one of mine, and not on this earth. Don't love the things of this earth. They're all going to burn, and they're, none of them are going to provide peace, joy, and satisfaction. None of them. In the end, they don't. They all fail because I created you that way, to need the things that only I can give in order to have those things on any sort of long-term basis. Where are we keeping our minds? We are inundated with messages 24-7, 365 or 366 this year that tell us the exact opposite. It's very easy to become a chicken little. There's a thing called doom scrolling. Have you heard doom scrolling? It's called just going through social media posts and getting more and more depressed. And, and here's the deal. There's algorithms out there that when you, when you look at those, they send you more. And then pretty much you think, we have no hope at all. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches. So therefore, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses 
I don't know. It's a, this is completely ridiculous, God. How can I have peace in the midst of drowning? But you're going to guard my heart and mind through Jesus Christ. God first is going to supply all your needs. All of those things, those things that every human being is craving that, that those outside of Christ cannot find are available to you. Are you taking advantage of your share? And then it says, be anxious for nothing, because in the end, I'm going to give you peace. (sighs) I'm going to tell you some stories. I'm going to make myself look good for a second. Um, Back in junior high, I decided I wanted to be a a chess player. I, and I joined the chess club, and I didn't know how to play the game at all. And so I would just play people, and I was trying to learn it. In fact, so then I got into the habit of playing the best people. I never won a single time. Then I got into high school, and uh, I ended up being the locker partner of the valedictorian, who ended up being the valedictorian of our class. He, he graduated from high school straight A's. He was my best friend, locker partner, and he was an amazing chess player. I played him every day at lunch, and I never won once. But then I was playing other people that used to be way better than me, and I was killing them. I recognized that by by saying, hey, I don't mind losing. I am growing. I'm growing in this. And then I was really good. So then I decided in college I was going to play racquetball. Um, and I was playing with a group of my friends. We were all kind of starting out, and, and I was, you know, probably about as good as them, and we were trading back and forth. Well, then I got hooked up with a guy who was the seniors champion racquetball player in Washington. Same thing happened. I never won a single game. Not only did I not win a single game, but my strategy then was, you know, Hit the ball as hard as you can all the time and just try to kill him, you know. And, and, and he would just be back there. And pretty soon I learned the finesse game is probably a lot more um, effective. At least it was against me because I was just slamming it every time I get it. And he would just back there. Okay, so then I go back and I play my friends and I kill them all. Because playing against that really good guy... And losing every single time, I grew. I grew. So I was willing to put up with the downside of losing in order to grow. So I had that good attitude. Right? Man, this is the way you're supposed to be dealing with trials in your life. You're supposed to be saying, I am growing through this. I don't mind. In fact, I was enjoying myself. Sort of. I mean, I didn't like losing, but okay. I, I knew I was getting better all the time. I still lost every, every game in chess, and I still lost every game in racquetball, but... I know I was getting better, and sure enough, I was. But lest you think too much of me, I have a younger brother named Don. He's about 17 months younger than I am. Put together the whole sibling rivalry deal, right? You know, I'm the older brother. Um, So he was, in in, in the junior category, he took second place in in a citywide tournament in Tacoma in ping pong. <clears throat> I 
he beat my rear end <laughs> practically every time we played. And you know how many ping pong paddles I threw or broke? <laughs> or ping pong balls I smashed? Or things that I tossed around? Or James that I quit in the middle and walked away? Because that's how most people deal with trial. You just get angry, and you think, I'm never going to win. Uh, your life is terrible. I had to choose. Now, I'm going I'm to say two things. Two thing, well, at least one thing happened. I, I, well, two things happened. I got older. I got a little more mature on the other two, you know, the chess and the racquetball. But I can't put it all on just, you know, youthful immaturity because I still do some of those things. Right, Carol? How many decks of cards have I thrown across the room as an adult? Um, we got to choose. How are you going to look at trials in your life? Are you going to look at it God's way or are you going to look at it man's way? Man's way says just get angry and throw stuff. Okay. Do I need to get angry and throw stuff if I can say, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm growing. I'm, God, you're using this. I'm growing, and, I'm gonna, and, you're, and you're opening up all these avenues for me to to experience the abundancy of your love and life here because of the trials that I'm going for. And then, God, don't let me have the big head when things go good and think, see, God loves me more, and yeah, I can do this life thing, and, and, it's, and you're struggling simply because you're not as good as me. I don't have that problem, but nonetheless, some people do. Um, my problem is the other one. Okay. you got to decide. God has made available to us the ability to live an abundant life here. But you have to look at life and its circumstances God's way. If you look at it your way, it's not going to work out. Choose. I didn't give you all of the truth of Scripture regarding these things, but I gave you enough to say looking at life man's way is not God's way. It takes faith, it takes trust in God, it takes some fortitude, and it takes surrendering to the Holy Spirit. That's what, you know, if, if I really want to look at life the way God wants me to, um, it's not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense from man's standard. And as much as I, like I was saying, putting that on men, okay, sometimes we, we go over to that area, don't we? We may believe all the good stuff about what God says is true, but... In action, I'm still reacting like the world. Okay. Choose. How do you want to look at the circumstances of your life? It's going to require trusting God. All right, let's pray. Father, you're the good God. You are the good God, and you're in control of everything, and yet life is hard. I don't understand, and I can't reconcile that sometimes, but nonetheless, that's the reality. However, your promises are still true. I can choose to believe them and take advantage of them, or I can choose to try to deal with it on my own. But I need your help, Lord. I need your help, and so do everybody here, to see life the way you intended us to see it, through your eyes, so that we can deal with the ups and downs, and the joy can remain consistent. And that's where you want us to live, 